Hi, this is Troy Deeney, and you're listening to From the Rockery End. From the weekend podcast 2.8 on a frosty Saturday morning. My name's John. Uh, with me is Jason. Hello. Uh, we are in the car on the way to pick up Mike as we head off to uh, Watford away at uh, Nottingham Forest. We are three lifelong Watford fans, season ticket holders in the rookie end, and these podcasts are our take on life as a Watford fan. And uh, it's been an interesting month as a Watford fan. Uh, Jason, what have we got coming up? in this month's podcast. Well, as we drive to and from Forest, we'll be dissecting the on-pitch action since Reading at home. John will be having a chat with Troy Deeney, and uh, Troy will be telling us about the changing room banter, giving giving us a few hints and tips on that. There's a hard-to-pronounce song for our new loan signing, Alex, are you ready for this? Kacchenichlich. Well done, very well done. And Mike takes on Lloyd Doyley in a game of Whose Lloyd Is It Anyway?, as Lloyd warms up for his first testimonial event. As we pull up to Mike's, it's on the right-hand side, Jason. Yeah. You can see him stood there, ready and raring to go. All right, chaps. Can't believe not only are you late, but after all that extra time of preparation, you haven't even got the scarves out the window. What sort of a way trip is this? <laughs> Just get in. So how are you feeling, Mike? Three words. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Is that nine? Here we go, here we go, here we go. What old school football time. What better way to start an away trip? Yeah, good. Really looking forward to it. Bright sunny day, um, cold, bright, perfect for uh, a game of lower Championship League football. <laughs> but you never know, with the way Watford are performing, it might not be lower for long. But we will discuss that as well as much more. On the rest of the podcast. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. Just past uh, junction 18, 18? Yeah, 18 of uh, the uh, the motorway one in the United Kingdom. So far, we've talked about um, chocolate. Yeah, we talked about the franchise system. We have a little bit of NFL chat. Stupid Matrix signs on the M1. Yeah. It looks like Alan Partridge has been writing the signs. It says, uh, on the on the M1, it says, not warning about ice, because it's minus five or something out there today. It says, please pick up your litter. Everybody else does. <laughs> Thanks for that. We're going at 80 miles an hour down the M1. Uh, 70 miles. I'd also like to point out that we have talked about chocolate. John and Jason have got a uh, bag of eclairs in the front which they've been enjoying. John's got quite a nice technique. He rubs them in his hands just to sort of soften them up a little bit, which I quite enjoy watching. They haven't offered me a single one. You've got your own bag of giant. Yeah, I that, but I haven't opened them yet. Yeah, about there. So you're late to pick me up. There's no scarves flying out the windows, which has already ruined your way day for me. And you don't even share your sweets. Thanks for nothing. So lots of debating in the car, but we haven't actually had a proper debate about Watford. Um, which we should, we should do now. The big story this this last month has been the uh, the leaving of Marvin Scordell. Well, the transfer window as a whole has been quite a big story, really. There's uh, there's quite a lot of um, conjecture about about what which Watford players, if any, would leave. Obviously, that we were worried about uh, Mariapa and, as you mentioned, John Scordell. Yeah. So I think the last couple of weeks were the big story, weren't they? The, tra- the transfer window. Jace, with 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 Marvin uh, leaving, um, how did you how did you feel and how did you think? 
it was it was a bit of a strange one, wasn't it? We spent most of the day fearing that Mariapa was going to go, and then it looked like it was going to be okay. He was going to stay because he was seen warming up at the den, and then all of a sudden, teams come out and uh, the team sheets come out, and, and Marvin's nowhere to be seen. And before you know it, he's off to Bolton. But um, I felt on the day, obviously, we had the game going on as well, which is just bizarre having matches on transfer deadline day anyway. But it reminded me very much of when Ashley Young went to Villa. That all happened on a, on a Tuesday, and we had a game in the evening. And um, walking to that game, thinking, "Oh God, it's terrible. We're gonna we're gonna lose. We lost our best player." And we went and won the game. And it was a, an unexpected surprise. And, and so again on, on Tuesday, we've lost uh, our star striker. And, and what happens? Uh, we go and win the game without him. Yeah, we said in the last podcast that you know we knew that one of them was probably going to go. Hopefully, two of them weren't going to go. And if one of them was going to go, we preferred Marv to go above Adrian because we feel like I, feel, I certainly oh, felt so Mr Mariapa yeah. uh, we felt if Mr Mariapa was was uh, was to go it would be certainly be worse yeah, for, for us the squad I mean you're calling him Mr Mariapa in a sort of in a, in a sort of jovial way obviously John but I think it, it, it almost alludes to the fact that the weight he does have in the in the dressing room now um, Mariapa you know he's been there for so long he's been captain a lot and I think he, the influence that he has in the dressing room is, is absolutely massive. I think as a character, um, you know, we've chatted to him, he's a very bubbly, but I think he's, he's a big character, isn't he? And he? He strikes me as probably being quite vocal. And calling him Mr Mariapa probably almost illustrates how important he is. He is that sort of senior, strong figure in, in that dressing room. And I think that goes back to what you were saying, John, that links into you saying that you prefer... Sordell, to, if you had one of them had to go, you'd prefer it to be him, yeah? Yeah. When, in effect, you know, we're in a relegation battle at the moment. Uh, we all expected it, so no great surprise. So we're still, we've, you know, had a great couple of results, so looking a bit rosy. But, you know, we're still looking over our shoulder, and it's players like Mariapa, you know, those ones who are just, you know, they're in it for Watford because they've been here for a long time and they've battled and they've grown with Watford and just got that affinity. All the talk in the whole football community that night was about the, the, the transfer window there was very little about what was a, a, a large amount of games that night you know there wasn't most it's very very strange like Jason said and so it would have been easy to take the eye off the ball as a club and it would have been even easier for people like Mariapa to take his eye off the ball because undoubtedly he would have been aware of the speculation and the, and the, the bids will have come in Watford I assume have a right to you know he has a right to know about those so for him to keep his eye on the ball that night is, is, is real testament to him as a character and, and reaffirms that, that belief that holding on to him is, is super valuable because that's the type of character he is. But also a great great effort from from Sean Dyche and the management team to keep that team focused and it's, an, you know, it's a good illustration of the boys as well that, that they can keep their game heads on. And just going back to Jace's, it reminds him of uh, Blackburn, actually it reminds me of one slight, little bit longer ago when we played against a away game against Sheffield United. It's, I think it was a Tuesday night and it was the day that it had been announced that Watford players had been asked to take a deferred pay cut because the, the finances were so bad. And Neil Cox, I think it was, who had had to, to go into the changing room and basically talk the players around to accepting this deferred pay cut. And it was a real turning point. You know, Watford backs against the wall, no money, players getting played less all of a sudden. Paid less, sorry. And they went out in Sheffield United and they won the game. Again, a tough, tough place to go. And in the face of adversity, they, they pulled together. And it feels like that when Watford have got their backs to the wall, that, that generally we can we can do good things. And it's um, just another reason to be proud of the club, really. But really, I was absolutely delighted that night. And the, the win against Millwall outweighed the, the disappointment of Marvin going. 
from the rookery end. And having said that, I'm not. And I have to say, you'll know what's coming. I'm a little bit sceptical. The fact that he was pulled out at the very, very last minute at the owner's request, which is understandable. It's, he's an asset to his club and he wouldn't want him getting injured. I understand that. But the fact that all of a sudden he goes out, money comes in, and by the time that deal's done, the transfer window's shut, no chance to spend that money. That was always going to be last minute. Mariapa was going to be last minute. Well, Watford aren't, but Watford aren't going to get massive offers that they're going to go straight away early on. Yes, we're going to take it. We're always going to be doing the transfer window. And I don't think you can blame uh, Watford. You can't blame the... Uh, you know any, any of the players or the agents you blame two things one that there's a transfer window and two that they did it on a they, it was the last night on a game of football night I'm just throwing it out there is it too convenient that three million will have landed in Watford you know, I know we don't get paid three million fund that's not how transfers work but money will have arrived in Watford's bank account i.e. Mr Bassini's bank account and there is no chance for him to spend it on players is that is that too neat is that too convenient um, Jason, Jason is Mike being paranoid I don't know, it's hard to say because we haven't got much to measure it against really. If you think about it, this is the first sort of mid-season transfer window that we've had with Bassini as the uh, as the main man. So it's hard to call. And, and we, a lot of transfers do happen on the last day of the transfer window. Um, but it's, yeah, it, it's we're in a, in a situation, well... But, but going back to the, the point, is Lawrence Bassini made a very big play early by stating that he felt that the move was engineered by his agent and Sordell and then the website ran a, a story later in the week, an interview with Sordell saying the exact opposite so you know, did, you know, disputing that fact, so uh, there's, you know, there's two lines of communication coming out there and I don't, think, I don't think any Watford fan would really have been that upset about Sordell going um, but it's interesting, like you say, it is interesting, Mr. Bassini uh, and Lawrence put, that put the statement out there. Yeah, it's incendiary. Is it necessary? Let's, uh, is, let's... It, is it because he, he uh, the, the bad press that he's got from being so quiet in the first yeah, no, few months of his tenure, he, perhaps he's realised that he does need to say something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you're right. It, it, the agent, came, well, I thought it was the agent that came out and said that uh, and yeah. denied. The, the story, so um, yeah, and I take the point. Yeah, who, who to believe? Yeah, yeah. Club, football club owners and agents. Are, yeah, sure. Uh, and maybe on this occasion, I'm being overly <coughs> sceptical towards Mr. Bassini. As you said, rightly said, Jase, it's only fair that having you know we we criticised him for being quiet. It seems um, a bit obtuse of me to criticise him then to come <laughs> out and say something. I understand that, and having talked it through with you guys, you know. Agent is likely to his job is to protect his player, I suppose, yeah. and to protect his reputation. So I'm proud. He's of somewhere. Oh yeah, I am proud of him. Yes. And we as Watford fans should be proud. I think that uh, debate is a little bit more serious than chocolates and uh, well, motorway. You still haven't given me in the clue about it. <laughs> <laughs> and more importantly, Elton's on the radio as well. When you grab a match day program, check out the from the rookery end column. Ten years of Lloyd. Doily playing for Watford. This year it's his testimonial year and there is a series of events coming up over the next 12 months in 2012 including a pre-season match this summer. The first event though Mike. It's going to be a good one. The Lloyd Doily game show extravaganza can only be one thing amazing fun. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. 18th of March, Sunday the 18th of March. All the family welcome. Don't be uh, put off by the fact it's an area. 
Um, I remember getting ID'd there. This, this time, no one will be getting ID'd. Everyone will be. Uh, everyone is welcome. But what an amazing opportunity! Basically, a range of game show style games taking place with Lloyd and and all the Watford players involved. Everyone going going along will have a, an opportunity to be a part of that and to win some amazing prizes. Lloyd, I know he's putting up some great prizes for for, for people visiting on the day. So. What's exciting for me is it's a really great opportunity to see, obviously to support Lloyd, say thank you for a, for a great 10 years, he's been a, a great servant and some great memories. Oh, what a great chance to see some of the players in, in a situation that you've never seen them before and never are likely to see them again, you know, sitting in panel games or taking part in Wii uh, football games and that sort of stuff. It's just going to be a really good opportunity to have an informal day out really with your, with your family and mates and uh, and also with the Watford players, it's, uh, it promises to be great fun, really excited by it. We'll see their competitive sides coming out in a whole new way. Uh, we met with Lloyd a couple of weeks ago to, to start getting his training. He's a man who trains every single day to play football and he needs to train to get ready for his game show extravaganza. So we sat down and played a little game with him. We, we're joined with, uh, by Lloyd himself. Lloyd, um, are you a big fan of quiz shows? Uh, yeah, I love quiz shows. Uh, I'm always there uh, at home watching all the quiz shows on TV. <laughs> and with this, with this uh, game show extravaganza coming up, I suspect you'll be doing a lot more training and preparation, will you, for, for that? Well, yeah, I've got to get my general knowledge up a little bit, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be prepared. Excellent. Now, to, to, to get you uh, to help with the preparation, we thought we could play a little game. It's called Who's Lloyd Is It Anyway? A simple game of famous Lloyd, and to, to put you up against the, the brains of uh, Formula Recruiting, we'll put you up against Mike. Yeah. Sorry Lloyd, you're going down. <laughs> <laughs> it's famous Lloyd. Uh, first of all lads, can you uh, quickly test your buzzers? So Mike, can you test yours? Working. And uh, Lloyd, can you test yours? Is that working? Good for me. Yeah. So over to our game master, Jason. Good evening. Question <laughs> number one. Well known for snooping through people's houses and tasty cooking sauces. I got it. Uh, Michael? Easy peasy. I told you we were going down. Lloyd, Lloyd Grossman. Hey. Hey. One nil to the Correct. Uh, question number two. Star of spoof film Aeroplane and father of actors Jeff and Bo. Yeah, got it. Lloyd. Lloyd Bridges. Hey. Correct. <laughs> it's a close one, this one. Oh. Question number three. The former British tennis player who runs a chain of gyms. David Lloyd. <laughs> Two one to Lloyd. Question number four. This is a fix. <laughs> Question number four. Star of the Back to the Future trilogy and US sitcom Taxi. Michael. Blake Scott. I know this one. It's Christopher Lloyd. Hey. He's got it. He's got it. It's all square again. Question number five. Former X Factor contestant who likes to show off her swagger. Share Lloyd. Oh, straight in there, Lloyd. <laughs> Three two to Lloyd now. Question number six. Former World One British Prime Minister. Mm, toughy. Mm. Clock's ticking, boys. I might have to move on to another oh, question. I'm going to take a guess. Are you going to buzz in first? I'm going to take a guess. Michael. I'm going to take a gamble. David Lloyd George. It was a bit of a gamble, but it's a correct one. Get it. <laughs> it's, it's three all. We have one more question left. It, it's sudden death. 
The good last luck, question. Good luck, <laughs> good luck. It's the welterweight boxer who beat Don Cobra Curry in the yeah. 90... 19- Oh, he's straight in there. I know this one already. Lloyd Hunnigan. He's got it! He's got it! He's the winner! All three. More than prepared for the Lloyd Doily game show extravaganza. Lloyd, you wait till I take you on the mic quiz. I'm going to absolutely lose it. So that's the... Uh, it's going to be on the 18th of March, Sunday the 18th of March, kicking off... Uh, doors open at half past two. All the family, welcome. If you want to get your tickets and more information, go to ldx2012.com. That's ldx2012.com or go onto Facebook and uh, all the information about buying tickets there. Do you feel more prepared for this game show after that little practice, Lloyd? Well, a little bit more prepared, yeah. Uh, I've, I've won my first game show already. This is Britta Sombolonga doing the conga on from the rookery end. Uh, we are in Nottingham and we've come to the fish and chip shop um, and Ash the owner to Ash what, what, where are we what's, what's the place called this place is called Bridgeford Restaurant and Fish Bar and we're on Radcliffe Road right opposite Trentbridge Cricket Ground and all, of course this is very popular with the forest crowd and all the football places yeah, yeah. so nice to see you guys here and I hope you can come visit my fish and chip shop thanks a lot Ash no problem cheers and we've been joined in the fish and chip shop by uh, what commentator John Marks um, hello John hello and uh, Watford Photographic Legend, Alan Cosy. Hello. So well, let's talk about the last month of, um, of Watford. Um, Mike, uh, how are you feeling at the end of the last podcast? Despondent, angry, worried, <laughs> upset, uh, critical. I was just one, wondered that uh, if, you know, we'd, we'd had a poor performance against Reading, uh, we had Birmingham away coming up, then we had Tottenham at home, two tricky games, whichever way you look at it, and I was worried that if we lose against Birmingham, then get smashed by Tottenham, our already sort of fragile confidence would be down to an all-time low. Now, those two results did happen, but we didn't get smashed by Tottenham, which I think is a good thing. Now, John, you would have commented on the game. Did you enjoy commenting, commentating on that Tottenham game? Yeah, I did, because it was a proper cup tie. Um, you know, we all know the performance that Watford gave, um, and, that, and that made it into a, you know, a good night, albeit, I guess you'd say, glorious failure. Yeah. Um, and there's not too much to be taken from that. But, uh, but yeah, it, you know, any game like that, then you, you, know, you, you want to be commentating on, on games like that. We want to be commentating on Watford in the Premier League against those sort of players and, and having those, those clubs and teams come down to us week in, week out. So, so yeah, g- great to be able to, to do that. We had John Watson on the gantry, so it was always <laughs> yeah, so that yeah. was great to be sat next to him. And uh, he even asked me about um, a stat. He wanted to check a stat with me. So, no, I think you've made it. I've made it. That's it. Did I diary. Did, get that, uh, did get it right for him. But yeah, it was great. It was a great night. It was a great night all around, I think, for the club. In the, you know, good crowd, good performance. Okay, we didn't get the result that we wanted, but everything went off absolutely as, as the club would have wanted it. Um, and the most important thing from there is that the team have used that as, as a springboard. And that's what they were all very quick afterwards in some of the sort of post match interviews did with the players, certainly, is that I think some of them had stayed in that dressing room a long time and were having a chat amongst themselves. And certainly, I you know, Troy Deeney came out and in the interview I did with him was saying, you know, we've just been chatting there. This means nothing if we don't go to Millwall and win, which is, yeah, I know, yeah, it's probably yeah. what we all came away thinking. Yeah. Um, they didn't, they didn't um, go for their celebratory beers too quickly? I don't think they did, no. No, they came out eating their burgers that looked very cold by the time they came into the cold <laughs> so, tunnel. John, can you confirm this, that someone who definitely didn't enjoy this celebratory beer was uh, Raphael van der Vaart, who didn't take his man of the match... I, beer on the grounds that he didn't think he deserved it. Um, I don't know if it was it, that he didn't think he deserved it. I think he may have left it behind, and it ended up in, in, in someone else's hands. In my mind, he's, 
himself said he didn't deserve it. Yeah, that's an interesting. <laughs> um, but you, you say about they're, 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 they're focused on, on the, you know, keeping that good performance into winning rather than just how you're feeling good about ourselves. And I am going to say it, and I think that Millwall game is the most important win for Watford this year and is going to be for, for the rest of the season. Well, I think, as, as John was saying, there was a big, big concern that getting up again after a cup game, while it should give you momentum, all too often we've seen it after the Lord Mayor's show, and, and you, again, you're left scratching your head as to why can you perform when the cameras are there when you're playing against good players, and you can't, you know, when you're scrapping for what's potentially more important. Well, what is more important? League points. And, and that was a real worry for me. You know, it's always going to be a worry for me because I worry about everything. <laughs> yeah. But the way they did it was, was great. And to do it with all that, like we mentioned earlier, with the Ferrari about the transfer window. Mm. So You were around that, that, that game yeah. uh, at, at, the, at the New Den. Um, do you think it... Was it, was it like... Uh, a surprise was it? Was everyone quite in? Did it throw everyone off? When when it all broke well, yeah, about, about yeah. Marvin, yeah. Um, I think it did because you know we, we travelled down. There'd been all the talk during the day um, had been about Adi Mariapa, obviously, um, and um, you know so so there was no mention of it at all on, on on our on our trip down. So so yeah, it was it was suddenly wow, Mariapa's here. <laughs> you know that was the first thing we saw when, when we got there. Mariapa's with the squad. He's in the team, ah, oh, but Marvin isn't. Marvin yeah. isn't, and obviously, you know that's what we then had to deal with. It. So I think, given everything that surrounded that 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 night, I think you're absolutely right. It, it is such a, a massive win. Been likened, I, I've been likened perhaps to the Sheffield United win, yeah. what, seven or eight years ago, when you know the wage cut and everything that that. that Great point, that, you know. John. Great point. What well, Sheffield United? Yeah, was that your point, Mike, yeah. in the car earlier? <laughs> we didn't travel together. No, we didn't no, discuss no, no. From the rookery end. We've had a bit of a break in our chat with John um, uh, because of the... Because uh, the fish and chips turned up. Uh, so we've got to the end of that Millwall game. Most important part of the day. Most important part of the day, yeah. To make sure we're all ready for a big cold day outside in uh, the city ground. Uh, and then we, we, we turn up the following week uh, at, at Barnsley. Home to Barnsley. At home to Barnsley. You might have gone to Barnsley, you'd have missed it. <laughs> James, I can't believe you even thinking of going to Barnsley when you don't have to go to Barnsley. Yeah, it wasn't the best of games. I think we've all seen the comments from the Barnsley manager, Mr Hilton, that he wanted to go home and do his gardening after, <laughs> after 10 minutes. I to do the gardening and I don't like gardening. And he, and he doesn't like gardening. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it didn't set the world. Like, I, for me... I can see what he's saying. We had a, a couple of decent wingers, potentially decent wingers on, on the pitch with Murray and Kacinicilic. And I don't think they, they saw enough of the ball, to be honest. I don't know what you thought, John, but I, it, it, we just didn't get the ball wide enough. A lot of it was sort of centred. play was sort of going up and down the middle, which is great for Eustace because he was amongst it all again. And John the goals. The goals. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah, it, it wasn't pretty, but, again, it was... Uh, <laughs> We say a typical championship game where you've got to win the battle, and and we did that. And I, I think, I think certainly for for an hour, we, we were by far the better side in terms of doing all the the stuff that isn't particularly pleasing on the eye. But we, we did what we had to do much better than Barnsley did, and they were happy to to play tippy tappy stuff in their own half, um, and they weren't going to hurt us. Um, and yeah. You, you mentioned John Eustace, and I mean, how immense has he been in the last, well, the, the last three games? You know, the out, 
outstanding against Tottenham and he's led the side from the front so to speak in terms of, of being captain um, but also coming up with a couple of you know, really important goals because again we, we can't underplay the importance of, of getting back to back wins and you know a win at home against Barnsley is not to be sniffed at we don't do it very often um, and you know these six points you know just move us what you know, we're talking before the Forest game 12 points clear of the bottom three someone's got a win one of those bottom threes now got to win four more games than us between now and the end of the season you know you need to break it down to that that's a, a massive gap um, you know and you, you've got you've got to be able to win pretty yes we all love to win how we did perhaps in that great run at, over Christmas last season when we were battering teams by four each week but that's not always going to happen to be able to win like we did against Barnsley was just as important so we've got a different um, sort of set up with Johnny uh, Uses scoring goals but Jason you've got a uh, how do you see this new current Watford lineup working I, I, together? I, I, I have an idea of what the plan might be. I'm no football manager, but uh, <laughs> who knows? This, we've used this up front. I think it gives it a better opportunity to uh, break up the play and sort of tackle from the front. Before with Bill Abney in there, it was, it was a little bit more creative, but sometimes when the opposition had the ball, play would pass him by um, uh, and they'd be able to sort of break past the midfield quite easily. With Eustace there, I think he can get stuck into the, the ball as it comes out of the back from um, from the opposition. Uh, and we've then got a lot more creativity out wide with Kachinich, Lich and, and Murray. I think they're more creative options than what we had before. But you say they are wider, but they're not. we're not being as wide creatively as... Well, we didn't, we didn't make use of it, I think, last time in the last game. But and that's, I think that's why I was sort of disappointed that we didn't get it. I thought we had a lot more creativity out there to make use of. Uh, and we've used this here breaking up the play I think higher up the pitch uh, maybe one of the falls sort of dropping off picking up pieces there and then getting it wide as well and I think and that's because it was before see, the, the, see it happening because when, when uh, Eustace and Hogg first started playing together I always felt there was a gap between the forwards and the, the two and they very much back, played, they yeah, they very much played that way but I think you see Eustace seems to be playing a lot more forward now I think before it was expected Eustace would be the, the, the deeper of the two midfielders but now he seems to be the more attacking one Hogg sort of sticks in that um, sort of quarterback role if you like the, the Iniesta role as, as yeah. been said before um, and Eustace is the one going in the forward midfield position is he, better, is he better after he had that sort of layoff from the team as well is that, do you think that's played a part while, while Eustace has been out of the team do you think Dyche has taken that as a chance to reshuffle it a little bit James what do you think uh, John oh, he's only, he, has he changed his attitude probably I mean, not but he's, he's allowed him, but no, but he's like, I, I don't think he's changed his attitude on the pitch but it's, it's almost allowed us to, to see life without him and to see him battle back yeah, he came back I don't, in that he's, he's not, I don't think his attitude's changed he came back in that Bradford game and you know, that's an easy game to excel in. Didn't he, didn't he do that game with half his head off? Yes, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of guy he is. <laughs> yeah. As long as it didn't get onto his teeth, he was absolutely fine about all that blood. He doesn't give two monkeys. But he, uh, it felt like he was a man battling for his place and whether that has continued through and, I don't know, it feels a little bit like that. He's an, almost a sort of new man. Yeah. I mean, he's always been a great man. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's a greater man, you're saying, Mike. Yeah, if that were possible. <laughs> From the rookery end. The, uh, the big uh, change, one of the big, biggest changes uh, in terms of that starting 11 is the introduction as a starting player in the, the, the 11 of one Sean Murray. I think we're all taken aback when we saw his name in... In the, on the team sheet yeah. for the Tottenham game, um, he's a name that has been mentioned a lot in dispatches um, you know, since the end of last season when we first saw him, and obviously it's been a, a big debate amongst supporters that I'm well aware of of you know younger players being involved, etc., etc. Um, 
it, it was great to see him. You know, on the team sheet, it was as I say, I was as surprised as it was the next yeah. person. Albeit, I think we were all excited by it, mm. and and he hasn't let us down. No, no, no. Um, and, it, and it two 90 minutes within three days, which was uh, which I didn't think he'd be able to do that, but he did. We, we all wondered after the Tottenham game whether we would be involved at Millwall. Um, well, his Twitter said, know. my body is aching more than it's ever ached before, <laughs> or something similar to that. Bless and, and also, just the, you know, just the, the huge thing about playing against Tottenham, you know, pretty much your, your first start of the season, um, you're thrown in, live TV, yeah, all, yeah. The, all the, everything surrounding the game, um, and doing well, um, you know, you could have made, I think, a very good case for him perhaps just being on the bench at, at Millwall yeah, yeah. In, a, you know, in a difficult environment. Yeah, yeah. sort of hostile atmosphere, very different to playing against the likes of yeah, the Tottenham players that he came up against. But but no, he's done well. And we've seen two different performances. I'll say two different performances. You know, I think perhaps probably people have seen him. Certainly, there's you know there's evidence on the likes of YouTube of his fantastic yeah. goal scoring. He scores lots of goals outside the box. Every time he ever does that, I think we have to refer to him as vintage Murray because he's been doing it for a long time. He only been doing it for a long time. But there's more to it. But he's but he's not that type of player in terms. Terms of that, that he is more of a hard-working, industrious yeah. midfielder. He's not a, a natural wide player. Um, mm. I think we'll see him probably, you know, drifting in off that flank and supporting the front two. He says it himself. There's more to, you know, he wants to get involved in goals and assists. And, and yes, but we've seen him doing, um, you know, a couple of times he's been caught out both at Millwall and against Barnsley. But we've seen him doubling up with Lee Hodgson on, on the wing there. He's been doing the dirty work, and he will do that. He is, he is that type of player. He's not quite perhaps the, you know, exciting forward player that maybe those clips would suggest he is yeah. he's got that in him make no yeah, mistake yeah. and we will see that but that will come I think, I think Murray has almost been the poster boy for, for fans who have been upset mm. at, at, at Dyche's lack of using the using the, the younger players Wichelow Murray certainly because um, people have heard about them people hear about the interest in, in people when, you, when, you, when you're a place where you don't you want things to change and, and you have any money then where else are you going to go people are yeah. clamouring for him. I mean this is only anecdotal and it's only a theory that I've got, but in, we've been lucky enough to go up to changing uh, training ground a couple of times. Don't let me anywhere near the changing room. <laughs> Not in my history. Um, but uh, we've picked up that, that perhaps Murray hasn't hasn't been developing quite as much as as they hoped. I'll give a little bit of a theory on that one. I, th- I think he's grown out of the youth football and because there's no reserve combination league as such. <clears throat> now the reserve side are playing sort of pre-arranged friendlies behind closed doors. I just think he, he he grew out of youth football, and he's in that stage between the first team and the youth team where it's very been very difficult for him to make that jump and establish himself. I think the boy definitely has a talent, absolutely has a talent. It's whether you've got enough work ethic in the first team, and so I, I pretty much would go along the lines of that theory. The most important thing, though, is he photogenic. Uh, I actually do know what way he's going to run after he scores, so yeah, he's, not, he's not bad actually. I think it's an, it's, an, it's an important point to look at those. I mean, they, Murray is starting to appear now. Wichlow's gone out on loan to, to Wickham again and, and has scored there and made an impact. But I think there has been a big clamour for these players, but we have to be impartial when you, when you look at it and think about, you know, is, why is Sean Dice doing it? Wichlow came back from Exeter. Because he wasn't getting a game. Now, mm-hmm. if he's not getting a game at Exeter, why should he be getting a game at Watford? Um, mm. I mean, there's people like Thompson and, and Bennett who we've seen in the first team. Thompson especially has been superb. But is there a greater 
you know, is he going to get more out of his game than, than going and getting? There's a time and a place for these boys. Yeah. Once we get nearer the 50 point mark, um, hopefully once we've passed it, I think you'll see the likes of Tommy Hoban play. He was another good one in the uh, come up through the youth ranks. We did play those boys you're on about last year, Thompsons, Mingoya, Wichelos. We, we did play them, but some were in FA Cup games. Okay, one or two made league appearances, but we, we, you can't always get away with that year after year. And I think we rode our luck a little bit last year. And they have progressed as players, and they did progress last year. But then you have a pre-season, players go away again. And when you come back and start a new season, it's a clean slate again. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously those boys, for one reason or another, perhaps it's finances, perhaps it's just the way the team's evolved, have not been involved as much this year. It's a different manager who hasn't given their wind. Yeah, I mean, my argument has always been, I mean, we're, we're big believers in youth, and as, as fans, it's amazing to see those, those players coming through knowing that we've nurtured them and that we haven't had just spent money on them. You know, they're our boys, and, and it feels better when they, when they perform. But I think what I can't get away from is the last third, perhaps, of last season, where we, I think there's some horror stat after the after the Cardiff game, we picked up something like, you know, just into double figures of points, you know, and yeah. and that was because I think personally that those those young guys ran out of steam, um, and just because Malky did it and was successful and we'd secured safety quite early against all odds. It feels like we're we're not building the team around them, we're just. Supporting it's a not team that they go, just because they're going out on loan doesn't mean that, that, that the club really. or Dyche has forgotten yeah. about them. Not at all. I mean, and, and I think it's very easy for, for people to look yeah, at. Yeah. But when, when results perhaps aren't going as well, then it's always players are out of the team are the best players that should be in the team, aren't they? That, that's yeah, yeah, just yeah. a natural reaction from, from people. Um, but but yeah, you, you're absolutely right. There, there is a time and a place to to, to give these lads the, the chance. And I mean, yeah, Adam Thompson I think is a great example of that. That you know he's probably going to get into the team at fullback at the moment um, probably long term he sees himself and I think we probably see him as a centre half but he probably would find his route in as he did last year at fullback is he going to replace Lloyd Doyle is he going to replace Lee Hodgson at the moment there's Carl Dickinson in the running as well so we need Adam Thompson to play games the best thing is he goes and plays competitive football in League One um, and obviously, you know, I don't know the terms of the deal, and I know there are various things over loans as to how quickly you can recall players. But you know, if something goes wrong in terms of form or fitness with, with any of those those fullbacks, then he'll come back in and, and he'll challenge. And I think the same with Wichelo. I You know, I think that I think this is probably a massive opportunity for him at Wickham, but also a massive challenge. Go and do it at Wickham. We saw him. He got ten minutes against Tottenham, and I think that was probably a little taste of this is what this is what you could win. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now go and prove it at Wickham. Yeah, and that's a real little challenge because you say, Mike, you know, it didn't work out at Exeter, and I think Sean Dyche said it. At, said it publicly. You know, exactly what you said. Something's telling me something here about mm. the player that he can't get in a League One side. So yeah, what he's not going to come back and walk into a Championship side. He's obviously been doing well and better, you know, over the last two or three months in training and in some of these development games. Um, you know, culminating, he got a hat trick against Wickham, didn't he, a couple yeah, of weeks yeah. ago? Um, and he's got himself a good move. I know, you know, Wickham are perhaps at the wrong end of League One, but he's got a chance there to go and play regularly and make an impact, which he started to do it on his debut. I think the carrot there is go and do well, yeah. and you can be part of the 16 in the last third of the season. You, well, you could well come and pa- back and play a bar. There's always plenty to talk about when it comes to Watford Football Club. Off to Forest. Got something to send the boys? Then email podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. Into the, the away end here. So the Lion's Den. The Lion's Den. Well, the Lion's Den is not the Millwall, it's the, the Forest. Uh, the Forest's. Canopy <laughs> of uh, uh, here at Nottingham Forest. 
Um, the, the, the team's out. We're just in the away end. Yeah, in the away end at, at Forest. Uh, so the team's out and it's just unchanged, isn't it, Michael? It's, uh, it's Loach. Go on, go on, Mike. Do, you, do your best uh, John Marks impression. Uh, so we've got uh, Loach, Hodson, Mariapa, Lauren Osworthy, Lloyd Doyley, Sean Murray, John Eustace, captain, I assume, Jonathan Hogg, Joe Garner, Troy Deeney, and Alex Kachanichlich. Kachanichlich, very good. That, you can say it quickly, say it quickly. Kachanichlich, 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 Kachanichlich. A very difficult name to say. Uh, and the minute we signed him, you can tell lots of, lots of Watford fans on Twitter quite got the idea of, okay, how can we work that into a song? We had really, actually, we had a really good tweet from, on the hashtag Watford FC um, timeline from Glory Hornet boy, who's Steve, Steve Morris from Prestwood. And this tickled me. He said, why didn't Watford give Alex Kachanichlich the squad number 47? We then could have called him AK-47, a gun winger, which I quite <laughs> like. That's very good. It's very good. But... What song could we come up with to fit in the word catching its switch? Here it is. Super Alex catching it, it's Watford's covered alone. And if you see him running, do please do get out of his way. He's a fan of pizza and he loves the pepperoni. Super Alex catching it, it's Watford's covered alone. Read the musings and ramblings on the podcast blog at fromtherookeryend.com. Half time, half time. I thought we were going to record this bit at half time and be the most miserable people in the world. You sound like you were selling half times then. Half time, <laughs> half time, get your half times. Well, well, I'll, I'll, buy, I'll buy one off him after that, finished on a half. Yes. 1-1 one, one at half time here at uh, Undeserved, I think it's got to be said. Watford got off to a very, very sluggish start. Uh, cold day here at, uh, here at the city ground. Nottingham Forest looks... Um, Boyd, I think, after a fair to say an emotionally charged start to the game, yeah. and they they were snapping into their challenges. Watford tried to match them, but were a bit late a couple of times, and the ref the refs decided against Watford on a number of occasions, and I think that that made it hard for us to get a foothold in the game. But fair to say that Forest bossed it really, and lucky to get in with a uh, a looping header from Deeney towards the end. Then. Yeah, I mean, it, like I say it went off quite quickly. I think a little bit of credit to Watford because they did take the pace out of the game a bit they sort of kept the ball well along the back line and in midfield they sort of had a period at the end there where they were a, a very long succession of passes but, <coughs> but it didn't really go anywhere <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah a long succession of passes where we were just going backs and forwards it was almost like uh, Ray Wilkins was back on the bench coaching yeah, the guys uh, uh, yeah he did take the sting out and eventually we got the free kick and, and scored so we are happy so far at half time. There's still another 45 minutes to go. We're still in it. We're still in it. That's that's what you want to feel at half time break and a half time beer. But as we feel good at half time, it's time to look at Watford in our hundred objects this month. Here it is, a collection of historic and intriguing items that define Watford Football Club. Oh, it's Watford in a hundred objects. Our first object, Mike. Well, it's very very rare that I get one of my, one of my favourite songs come from a foot based complaint, but. I give you, he played for Nigeria in two World Cups. Then he got bunions and had to give up. Oh, Benny Roa. So Benny Roa, who, uh, who moved to Watford in 1998, uh, he's only 29 at the time and only actually ever played 10 games. He had to retire because of? he had bunions. <laughs> Bunyan Ben. Bunyan Ben. <laughs> Came with high hopes in our... Uh, it was in our Premiership season, an international, so it's always exciting to sign an international calibre player, but unfortunately he was laid low. But <laughs> all the things to finish a career, bunions. <laughs> I seem to remember we played for us in, uh, the season before, I think when we played Spurs in the Cup at White Hart Lane. I, I recall him 
herring down the down the wing and, and we sort of scored in the first minute um, I think it was smart clearly he was light he, he was, his bunnies were hurting so much he was skipping sort of <laughs> down the wing it was great but, but, sad, sad for Ben, but gave rise to one of my favourite Watford songs ever. But he, he did retire with the Bunyans. Now, though, Mike, I can tell you that he's currently coaching in Nigeria yeah. at a son called Heartland FC. Hey, so he hasn't, he hasn't set up his own cropody. <laughs> no, he hasn't. Anyway, well, well done, Ben. Not Ben Aroa going into no, no, the no. but it's Ben's Bunyans. The Bunyans, again, they are the object we're putting in. Object number three is an object which is always part of many Watford celebrations. It's the pond on the parade in Watford. Every time there's a, a win at Wembley and something major happens, someone ends up in that pond with all the pubs around it. Whilst researching this item, I found out that the pond uh, has a, a, a website. It's called thefriendsofwatfordpond.co.uk. And I'm told there's a shopping trolley in the bottom.com. <laughs> <laughs> or don't go in in barefeet.net. <laughs> Uh, there's some lovely pictures dated back to 1856 and there's a a wonderful uh, array of pictures throughout the years uh, of the Watford Pond none of them unfortunately are any of the Watford fans celebrating in that pond so here's a challenge for, for, for you then listener when was the first time Watford fans went into that pond it's been there since 1856 oh, the first when time. was the first celebratory dance in the Watford Pond one would assume it was to do with some promotions during Graham Taylor's year but well, did someone go in before no, let us know podcast fromtherookerian.com let us know podcast fromtherookerian.com the final object this month is a personalised rattle we were Peter Morgan was kind enough to uh, to write to us well done Peter thank you <laughs> well done Peter thank you, so, thank you. We, we always appreciate people uh, sending us stuff it goes like this Dear boys, I think my pre-1977 rattle deserves a place in the Watford in 100 objects, if not in the Watford Museum. It was hand-painted lovingly by me whilst my mother looked on in horror. It was my pride and joy and I took it to all home games where, standing by the railings below the Schrodel stand, I would proudly make as much noise as possible without thought of health and safety regulations. Regrettably, those same regulations now deem my rattle as a dangerous weapon, so it's consigned to my cupboard alongside my Vuvuzela. Cheers, Peter. Well, first of all, Peter, I'd say it's probably the only... I, I never imagined that Boovie Zayla would get a mention in WFC and 100 <laughs> Objects, so well done on that front. Um, and you've got, I, I've got a, a, a yellow and red rattle that someone bought me quite recently, actually. It's only sort of the last couple of years, and they're great. You, can just, you, can't, you don't see them at games. Perhaps I should bring mine along, but, but oh, that must have been great fun to stand in down there rattling the horns to victory I think for if he was a young fellow at that point and he did it a lot during a game I'm sure he enjoyed it immensely yeah, I think there are a lot of people around him who did not enjoy <laughs> it immensely if you have an object that you would like to put into our list it can be a personal object to you as a Watford fan and why it means what being a Watford fan means to you or it might be an object that sums up a historic moment in Watford's history email us podcast at fromtherookeryend.com Stay in the loop and get involved on facebook.com slash rookeryend. One one, we finished at the city ground. Um, the one goal came from Mr. Troy Deeney. The Walsall wonder kid. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, it wasn't an amazing game of football, but I'm glad we left on an away game with a, with a point. I say, I was talking to uh, to uh, Nick Cheney. He, he follows us on Twitter, NLFG. Follow him if you can. Um, it's good to see Nick there. But I was saying to him, at an away game, as a Watford fan, all I hope for is that we score. And I don't really care if we, if, we, if we win, lose or draw. As long as we score, it's definitely quite good fun. And we did that, so we did. Oh. And uh, Troy is, uh, um, well, you can tell by the stuff that if everyone follows him and the rest of the players on Twitter, he is the man of the banter. Uh, and uh, when I caught up with him a couple of weeks ago, 
chat to him about his Watford career, but but he's certainly got some good ideas for uh, how to be the king of banter in the changing room. You've been here for almost a year and a half. A year and a half now. Yeah. Been quite a journey for you from from Warsaw to Watford. How's how's it been? Uh, you know, obviously at the start it was it's a bit a bit different, like trying to get used to how people um, play and stuff, and obviously the tempo. The Championship 2 League 1 was a massive difference but um, last season I struggled with obviously Danny and Marv both being on fire so this season I've come, come back with a point to prove and uh, starting to do that now we're getting a few games how does, how does a professional footballer prove a point to get picked? It sounds stupid but prove every day that you're better than the other person Yeah. score more goals in training or run around more than anybody else it's just one of them things you just got to get every little Every little aspect that you can get that people, you know, are buzzing off you yeah, then. Obviously, you know, it helps as well if, you, if you're coming on and doing well, which I did at the start of the season. A bit of fan pressure as well. Because sort of, sort of you said on Twitter, you said you didn't want to be, someone said, I think, said that you were a super sub. Yeah. And you said you didn't want to be known as a super sub. No, no, that's, that, there's only one super sub and that's uh, Ali Solskjaer. That's, <laughs> no, I don't think anybody wants to be known as a, a super sub. But to be honest, as long as I'm... I'm any press is better than no press, I suppose. That's the old saying, isn't it? So. Yeah, I sit next to a really old guy. He's, yeah. he's about 16. He used to be a PE teacher. Oh, OK. And um, he goes on about how much you run around and you yeah. don't stop running for the time you're on the pitch. Yeah. That was, was that a big step up? Was that, was, was that one of the major steps up from, uh, from a club like Warsaw? Or the, the no, to be fair, I probably did more at Warsaw, but more of a headless chicken, whereas now I, I sort of know what I'm doing and when I'm going to chase. Because I don't always just run for no reason. If I think I can get there, then I'll then I'll have a run. But that's one one of the aspects of my game. Obviously, not being uh, the most technically gifted at the start. I'm obviously coming into football late. We just uh, have to do hard work, and then obviously you can work on the technical side after. Because we say coming to football late. Yeah. Do you think that you know there's, there's these players who uh, yeah, come to the Watford Academy, and mm. ever since they're twelve, they've literally been focused on being a professional footballer. Mm. Do you think you add something more to your on pitch persona having um, done I think things. I think it adds into just me being a, as a person I think uh, if you're always geared and you know into being oh, I'm going to be a professional footballer they're, they're not prepared to fail whereas mm. I've failed and well I say failed I've, I've be, become a builder you know professional builder I can do most things that most builders can do now so you know I've, I've gained uh, a glimpse of the real world like this, this even though this is a real job it's not it's not, you know, get up at five and come back at six. Mm. So it's not one of them jobs. We, we, we do hard work and we work hard and obviously we get a, a good sum of money for what we do. But at the end of the day, I, I, I'm appreciative of what I've got. And, you know, I don't ever think I've, uh, don't think I've ever come across big time to anybody like that. That's one thing I try to stay uh, very clear of. I think that's what, that sort of, in the modern day of football, mm. I think that's the, the part of you that f- come across to fans and that sort of yeah. like endears you to. I think so, yeah. I think like, even if it's just little things like staying afterwards, signing a few shirts, even just responding to people on Twitter. Obviously, about a few thousand people, I can't really uh, respond to all of them, but I try and do my best and just little things that maybe they're not expecting a reply back and you just all you have to do is type something for 30 seconds and it's... Uh, Make somebody else's day, you know. You you played in lots of different positions, kind of kind of at the club. Yeah. Is there one that we haven't seen yet that you're quite decent? Uh, goalkeeper, yeah, got a bit, yeah, got a bit in goal. Nah, to be fair, I've played. Believe it or not, I played as a centre half as well in a few uh, resi games at Warsaw, and uh, I was pretty pretty good at that. To be fair, and I was captain, pretty much like your Sunday league one, just head it and kick it. But 
Not as good as Mapsy. Well, you had, you had a good moment um, at the Blackpool away game where you headed the ball off the mm. off the Probably line. Probably so, yeah. I, um, I don't actually remember it, believe it or not. I, I can't remember everything that happens in games. Okay. Because I'm just like thinking about the next thing. Yeah. Somebody messaged me on Twitter said, oh, you should see your back header. And I was like, I don't even remember when that was. Well, that was that was Mike, who's one of the co-hosts. Yeah, yeah. So, Rookie Mike. Yeah. Yeah. He's, so gonna... I've um I've got to go and buy this online passing now to go and have a look at it. So see what it's. Hopefully, it looks decent. Who was your footballing hero? As a, as when you you know the first player you kind of looked up to. Believe it or not, it'd, it'd probably be Ian Wright, but it wasn't for footballing reasons. I seen him on a, you know the one with the big red book. Is it this is your life? Yeah. Seen him on that, and obviously you know he's. I found out obviously that he, he fosters kids and stuff and I thought oh this guy's a, a legend and then obviously read, it, read his book and stuff and then you got to know what he's about and it's sort of like the uh, same sort of background we have apart from I didn't go to jail so yeah. <laughs> uh, apart from that it's, you know, he's just he's someone that I looked up to but in terms of football I never really like followed football until I was like 18 okay. so, yeah so I used to watch it and go down to like Birmingham City all the time but just go down I wouldn't like oh we'll be able yeah. to tell you who he was I'd just go down because that's what my mates were doing like so obviously now I'm in the game I, I watch football non-stop my missus ain't too happy but it's football on every night so it's decent you are we, we ask we interview players we ask them we say so you know who's the who's the characters in the in the change room who, who gives all the banter and there's two names that come up regularly there's, there's Renegal Martin yeah. and there's yours yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm uh, unfairly judged now to be fair um, I get bored easy Got a very uh, very small attention span, so to to appetise that, I just get other people. I've got a bunch of scenarios for you. Cool. Uh, that that might that might come up. How yeah. would you react if this happened? So you're at training um, before everyone else, and yeah. Lloyd Doyley comes in wearing a purple and turquoise pair of trainers. Yep. First thing I'd do is go, oh wow, what have you got on your feet? And then I'd wait for him to get changed and possibly. Take a picture, put it on Twitter, <laughs> put look what these are, and then I'd probably tape them up to be fair. Put um, some elastic tape all the way around them, put both of them together until they were really tight, and then hang them up. So <laughs> basically, anything just to cause a bit of a nuisance to him. Okay. Pre match in the changing room, and yeah. Jonathan Bond puts S Club 7 on the team iPod. I would take the iPod out and throw it, <laughs> and then I'd prefer to listen to nothing. Okay. Whilst on a way trip, you catch John Eustace crying at an episode of The X Factor. Oh, that's harsh because Eustace, Eustace is a tough character. But <laughs> yeah. if, I seen, if I seen that, I'd probably be in a state of shock and then I'd probably flick him in his ear and tell him to sort himself out. Okay. Probably. Uh, Adrian Mariapa brings a box set of Downton Abbey to watch on the coach trip to Blackpool away. If he did that, then I'd probably put one in each bin down the bus and then hide the cases as well. So... Yeah, he wouldn't, he wouldn't get on. Okay. Plus, Maps knows that I run the back of the bus, so it's all right. <laughs> Have you ever watched, do you watch Towie? Oh, that only weighs Essex yeah, nonsense, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so if I say, Martin Taylor booked yeah. Pizza Hut instead of Sugar Hut for oh, a Christmas okay. day. Yeah. Um, Tiny's never, never comes on the night out. He's a very boring old man. He pays the fine, believe it or not. <laughs> He'll pay like a few hundred quid into the kitty and then it will not come. So if he actually said he was going to sort something out, I think everybody probably just said, no, nah, you're all right, Tyler, you can go back home and get your sleeping basket or whatever he does. <laughs> and last one is that Scott Loach uh, gets another tattoo. Uh, but <laughs> another it's, bad one, you mean? Yeah, yeah. well, this one's spelt wrong. Oh, OK. I don't know. Our Loach, he does love a few tattoos, doesn't he? If he spelt one wrong, he'd probably just say, ah, oh, 
we probably just say, you know what I mean, you've let a few in this season, so we expect everything to get better than it. His tattoos are not the best, though. <laughs> he doesn't like it that people have his tattoos, so. He's got a proper sleeve, hasn't he? Well, he's got a sleeve, I wouldn't say it's proper. But he's, got, <laughs> he's got a sleeve, yeah, with some, uh, some eight-year-old writing on his arm, so it's good. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. The Wonder Road Technology forward wine to Tuesday evening. Watford have just beaten Leicester City by three goals to two. Jason, how's the last couple of games been for you? Well, football's a simple game. You can win your home games, draw your away games, and then you'll be all right. And, you and, and the, that's what's you happened. Win the World Cup. <laughs> um, now, I, I, after Saturday, I was sort of thought, well, I was hoping for a better performance because we. We were up against it on Saturday at Forest. We had to work hard for that point and got our fair share of luck as well. Uh, I was hoping for a better performance and three points tonight. Not sure if we got the better performance tonight. Again, we rode our luck at times, but blimey, they did, they did fight for it and they did battle for it today. And if, if it's on fighting spirit alone, then yeah, we deserve three points. I said that, that, that word fighting spirit, Michael, it's certainly the, the, the phrase of how Watford have gained their points over the last few games. Barnsley, you know... Um, maybe not Millwall but definitely against Leicester and a draw against Forest we're battling now yeah no, I think what you both say is absolutely right we really we really did hey, ride, we did ride have you got a crooked voice <laughs> well I've just been uh, issuing a few uh, statements to the general direction of the officials <laughs> and also roaring on the glorious Hornets to victory but yeah they've had to really fight and they had to fight a lot hard tonight and they've I mean, you know it's real fingernail stuff I mean for the last <coughs> talking about the Leicester game for large periods of the second half Watford defended as poorly as I've seen them defend for a long time uh, and Scott Loach had to make an excellent save low down to his right to keep it keep it at two all and it, it, they look, only looked like one winner at that stage um, but uh, but what happened is you know Watford they didn't concede and they did carry on and, and ultimately got, got, the, got the win <coughs> to round off a very good uh, set of results since the last podcast really Absolutely. if we could carry you know <coughs> We win tonight, other teams around us lose. Well, we're 15 points clear of relegation now. Well, I mean, what more can you say? I mean, it's just absolutely fantastic. We said at the start of the year, of the season, if we can stay up, we'll be happy. So that, that, still, that still sticks. And results like tonight. Um, and points away at Knott's Forest. Let's not forget how important those single points are. And it gets a bit of momentum. That's another game unbeaten. It wasn't pretty. We didn't deserve anything really out of the Forest game, to be, no. to be honest. Um, they, hit, they hit the crossbar and should have scored. They had, they had chances of plenty. But we hung in there and we battled, like you say. We've got, we've got very little threat up front. Uh, well, that's the thing. Out of, out of, you, you would say, though, you, you say there's no threat up front, but we have scored. Well, you have, yeah. Three, <laughs> Six three goals. goals <laughs> two goals, on average, last three games, two goals. I mean, ju- during that Leicester game, Andy, my brother, turned to me and said, so who else have we got? What other strikers have we got? Yeah. Who's going to come off the bench? Uh, and there was none. Good. You know, there's nothing to Chris Iwellamu. I mean, I'll be... <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't even tell you. I was like, he'll, he'll, he'll just do that thing where you know he'll head the ball and that, he'll, 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 he'll play it off of players, but that even wasn't going well. Well, I think uh, to be fair, he, got, he didn't get much luck from the referee either. Yeah, no, he's yeah, he's yeah. got a big man with the referee has big man syndrome. All he, he sees is a big man. bloke, and and all he all he does is gives free kicks against and uh, and sends off Lloyd. <laughs> yes, of all of all the years to send Lloydie off. Can, can you believe it? his first ever red card in professional football? Uh, unbelievable, isn't it? So he needs, so he needs that support in his testimonial year all the more now to pay the fine that he's going to get from the uh, FA. <laughs> but what a, what a great result tonight! So on the back of a, a, an ugly, ugly point against Forest, great wins against um, against Barnsley, especially against Millwall, which we talked about. So and, good a, see, and also good to see Sean Murray get his first 
goal well, off a deflection. Will, will, he, will he get that? I yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he he'll, should. He'll, he'll I think it. the girls' panel will give that to him. It would probably, you see his celebration, he just sort of stood there for a bit. Was Is like, it mine? Probably <laughs> didn't want it. He, he probably would have preferred to have had that one going off the post against Spurs. So <laughs> he for, for a little of... bit, but then he, he, yeah, he sort of ran to the sidelines. and, and three amigos <laughs> celebration. <laughs> a little bit, yeah, a little bit of tension released, I think, <laughs> at the end. But, oh. uh, well, it's, it's, again, we're, I like the fact that more often than not this season, we've been ending these podcasts on a positive after after a couple of wins yeah, absolutely, some yeah. points gained 15 games to go 15 points clear of the drop zone and probably something like 12 away from, from the playoffs who knows what could happen who knows what could happen uh, we're back in, uh, in mid-March uh, remember you always get in contact with us you can email us podcast at fromtherookeryend.com uh, you can get us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rookeryend or our Twitter's Michael uh, at Rookery Mike, at Rookery John and at yes you've guessed it Jace Bailey <laughs> Um, thank you very much for, for downloading um, and uh, uh, do tell your friends yeah absolutely and don't forget to get behind Lloyd Doyle's testimonial year tickets on sale for that first thing get out there buy them it's going to be really good fun yep go to www.ldx2012.com but keep downloading the podcast keep listening and keep getting in touch we love hearing from you it's amazing come on you on come on you on yes.